I think just like connectivity to anyone that has access to the internet. And I know like there are good things with like parental controls and even like with Snapchat or Instagram, like private accounts and like allowing only certain people to have access to you. But it is really hard to like navigate that. Welcome back. You're listening to Vantage, a podcast of Lakeland Christian School. I'm Jeff Stabler, and on this episode, we'll listen to some advice from our LCS seniors. How should parents navigate the world of technology with their middle school children? Find out what these seniors think next. Thanks for joining us. I recently sat down with a group of LCS seniors to have a conversation about technology. I needed help because I was soon going to be speaking to a group of parents of upcoming middle schoolers, and obviously these seniors understand what it's like to navigate the world of technology in a way that I could not possibly understand. I think you'll be really interested in what they had to say. So I started with a simple question. When it comes to middle schoolers, and sixth graders in particular, what do you think the extent of their social media interaction should be? So here's what they said. Uh, man, I, a sixth grader, I would honestly probably just say at most Instagram. Uh, I mean, I know kids like are growing up in this kind of newer generation that like I'm in this newer generation, but recently like younger kids have kind of like grown up with TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, and all that. And they, I can just see that it has just completely changed my perspective on middle schoolers. Like when I was in middle school, I barely knew like inappropriate sayings. Like there was like slurs. I had no idea. Like I was scared to even say a cuss word. And now like my middle school uh, cousin who's in sixth grade, and he has all these apps and things. So I just try to stay away from TikTok because stuff, social media like that teaches you about things you don't want your children to be taught about. And say Instagram at most to be, or even Facebook to be caught up with like your other friends. But I'd be careful. Yeah, I think I think that <clears throat> social media should be reserved for a time <clears throat> when they are more mature. And I feel like sixth grade isn't really a time period of life where you're able to make decisions based on what's best for you and uh, know what's going to affect your future or not. You'll notice right away the hesitation in thinking about a sixth grader. These seniors realize the breadth of what's available on social media, and so they're not very confident to recommend social media to someone that's that young. Not every senior felt that way. However, there was one thing that was in common. Listen to what they say. Um, I think that kids should have social media, but it needs to be taught to them by the parents, um, and the parents need to enforce trust and show the students how to use social media, um, because if they don't and the student goes behind the parents' back, then the student is going to figure out how to use social media, um, without the trust of the parents. 
Yeah, I think there's like a lot of room for social media to be a good thing. And it's not just strictly bad. Um, there's a lot of ways for students to like communicate with other students as well and make friends through social media. So it shouldn't just be stimulated as like such a bad thing. But also there is a lot of room for like a lot of bad things as well. So it is really important for parents to teach students like what they should be doing on social media and know that there is an impact for like their future like their future can be like ruined from the things that they do on social media so it's really on the parents to like kind of teach them those lessons yeah I think kind of helping them by just talking to them and helping them navigate it like that is probably the best option because if you just really strictly monitor them and judge everything they're doing on social media, it's going to cause a divide and they're going to <clears throat> they're gonna go deeper into the things you don't want them to go into because mm -hmm. they're gonna be rebellious because they're middle schoolers. Um, so I think having kind of a conversation and just explaining the do's and don'ts is better than just, you know, waiting till they do something wrong and then, you know, judging them for it it's better to kind of be proactive and be like, hey, there's this, this, and this on social media. You know, try to avoid that instead of mm -hmm. just being, just waiting for them to screw up and then being like, hey, you shouldn't have done that. Because mm -hmm. then it, it causes more conflict than it should. I think, too, if the parent decides that social media is not right for their child, that it's super valuable for them to explain why and that it's not, like, just an issue of trust for their own child but rather what else is out there because I think that often is the point of like tension between parent and child as if it's just a strict no because of the bad things whereas it's like more of I trust you but I don't trust other people kind of thing and like one day yes but for right now like just communicating the parents intentions very clearly to the child will like help get rid of that tension yeah I think that if like if a parent doesn't want them to have social media, you have to really explain it because if not, the kid is just going to go behind their back and hide it, mm -hmm. and then they're not going to have any parental supervision, any kind of help from the parent to guide them through that, and they're just going to go go wild on their own. So if you do choose to limit your child's access to social media, you have to really give them a reason why. You know, because if not, the kid's just going to be like, oh, well, that's stupid. I'm going to do it anyway. There are two important observations here. First, these students recognize that social media is not intrinsically bad. There can be a lot of good that comes from it, and they've experienced that. So a parent's attitude toward it makes a big difference. To be altogether dismissive signals that a parent just doesn't get a wide swath of what it's like to be a teen today. But the second observation is vital. Middle schoolers will not know how to navigate social media on their own. And left to themselves, they will likely experience lasting harm and they will potentially harm others. That came out loud and clear. And that's why all of these students insisted that parents have open and honest conversations with their children. And they thought that it might make sense if a parent said, let's hold off on that for now. I asked them what would be a good rationale for a parent to say, let's wait on social media. If you're a young middle schooler, you shouldn't be like already creating a digital footprint or something like that. And you should just like, 
you should live your life as it is for now and then go on to social media. Um, I think going back to what somebody else might have said, that the parent needs to really communicate the dangers that go into social media rather than just trying to avoid them um, with the fear that they're going to plant ideas in the student's mind um, because the student is going to find out about something whether the parent likes it or not. Um, and so if the parent can introduce the idea and the strictness and the severity of something like that, then I feel like that makes... Um, I think that makes the trust grow all the more. So you can see the expectation here. They want parents to get out ahead of the curve, so to speak, to be willing to have that conversation about some of the bad things on social media and not to shy away from it. But as parents, we may not really know the extent of what they're dealing with. So I ask these seniors, what are some of those bad things that a middle schooler is likely to encounter? I think just like connectivity to anyone that has access to the internet and I know like there are good things with like parental controls and even like with Snapchat or Instagram like private accounts and like allowing only certain people to have access to you but it is really hard to like navigate that. Parents definitely underestimate what their child is going to be exposed to. I think with like apps like TikTok they're like oh it's just videos, it's family friendly. But I can assure you that everything on TikTok is not family friendly and it's geared towards the less family friendly things than it is more joyful and playful things. This was another common theme. These students believe that parents just did not understand the extent of what students would be exposed to and the early ages that they might be exposed to truly horrific things. Um, kind of like I know child like like nudes and like things like that it's really really big in like middle school as well because they don't really know like the implications that like those types of like photos can have on them but it, it is a crime so like I think parents really need to like enforce that it is like an, a really big deal what they do on social media from such a young age and kind of explain that, like, future colleges and, like, jobs can pull up those records from when they were so little and see that, like, and not hire them or let them into a college at that one point, like, because of that, so. It wasn't just the explicit content that students might consume that these students were concerned about or even the images that they might share of themselves, but they were also very concerned about how students share their own voice, the things that they say on the Internet, because that's a lasting record as well. I think, too, something really valuable that parents can explain to students is the impact of just things that you say based on, like, whether it's your political opinion or just your opinion on, like, some event that happened. I think that that's super valuable to learn young because, like, whether they have social media now or not, like they're eventually going to have access to make their voice heard. So I think it's super valuable for parents to teach their students like what is acceptable to post and what is not acceptable to post because like things like we've talked about can come back and hurt them even if it's not like profanity or, you know, just things like that. I thought I think it's also really important to not only navigate what they're posting, but what these kids are like filling their brains with, mm -hmm. because there's so much room for 
like body image issues and terrible mental health through like the accounts that these kids are following from a young age. Um, so not only not like monitoring what they're posting, but like s- what accounts they're kind of following and like kind of just helping them uh, through like mental health navigations as well. Her concern about mental health is shared by many students. They seem to have an intuitive understanding that social media use has the potential to really erode their overall mental health. Here, as a resource, I would commend the work of Dr. Jean Twingy in her book, iGen, and she would agree with these students that there are some concerns when we think about the use of social media and poor mental health outcomes. It's definitely worth the read as a parent. At this point, the conversation took an interesting turn. Students want help understanding how social media works, but they even want more than that. They need help regulating their social media use. And so they began to talk about restrictions. I think parents should also not totally like helicopter parent what um, students are posting, but they should um, at the beginning of the use of social media, they should be able to look at what somebody, what their student is posting and um, determine whether this is appropriate or inappropriate or might hurt the feelings of somebody else. Because uh, I think that's, that's a big thing for young social media users is, um, like somebody said, um, that somebody could be doing something in a group and somebody might be excluded. Um, and I think that should be something that parents should be able to monitor and think twice about. I think it's important to have restrictions set in place. Growing up, I had restrictions on all my devices, and it really was helpful because it kept me away from uh, possible things that could lead to worse situations. I would say the exact same thing. Uh, Like, as a kid, I didn't have restrictions really on my phone but I mean I my parents taught me well but still like as a child you're curious uh, like going into middle school you're going through puberty and uh, you have literally like the internet which has everything you could ever think of at your own hands so restrictions are very important because like if you're a child you you know they don't really think about looking things up next thing you know they're watching things you don't want them to watch and it can just lead on this whole trend of going because I've known people that still look at stuff like that even through senior year so restrictions are pretty important for that how do parents um so you, you said definitely have restrictions how how do those work uh <clears throat> are they effective yeah so I know growing up, my parents had a passcode, and if I wanted to like download an app from the App Store or look something up on the Internet, I could either use their devices or I could get them to type in the passcode and then allow me to look something up on the Internet or uh, download this app, and they would have to check the game first or check the app before I was able to use it. How did you feel about that? It was definitely annoying as a, uh, as a middle schooler, but once, once you're grown up, you start to appreciate it when you see what's going down around you. He grew up with more like restrictions than me, I'd say. And uh, my parents giving me that trust for sure helped me, made me want to respect them more. And 
like when your parents trust you that much, I guess it's kind of like a thing or like you don't want to uh, disappoint them. Not everyone's like that, but I, I grew up like that. Um, but I feel like there is a point like if you set, if you're too uptight on your children, they kind of want to rebel. Because I've seen many people who have had like insane restrictions. Their parents are like always checking their phone and setting, not allowing them to have social media. It makes their children kind of like mad at them and makes them want to rebel. So I'd say restrictions are very, very important, but it's to a point where like don't make your children like kind of set off from their social life, I guess I would say. And like checking phones is important because I know like it would for sure be helpful if my parents would have done that, but like not being too strict is important also. Now, at this point, if you're a parent, you may be thinking, wait a second. So I'm supposed to check your phone, but I'm supposed to do this in a way that's not too intrusive. I'm supposed to keep you from things, but then I'm also supposed to understand that this is a major part of your life and let you have things. How am I supposed to do all of that? I asked that question. How do I do that? Uh, Listen to what one student said. It's super, super hard to navigate, like, what they're kind of looking at through social media. So I really don't know. I really, you can see like what accounts they're following, but still it's like hard to strictly monitor. I don't know. Okay. As a parent, you may be tempted to just throw your hands up and say, well, then what in the world am I supposed to do? But I do think there are some important takeaways. Number one, students understand that they do need accountability and that restrictions are an important part of that. But number two, and I think this is what the students are getting at, those restrictions need to be put in place in the context of relationship. We need to make a good faith effort to understand, first of all, how students are using social media, and then even what the consequence of a restriction would be for them. How would it affect them socially, emotionally? That doesn't mean we don't put them in place, but it means that we do it with a certain level of empathy. And then I think the third one is that as a parent, we have to have the courage to do something that may make a student upset for a time. It probably is not realistic to think that we're going to strike this perfect balance between their being grateful for the restrictions that we impose and their feeling like we're being intrusive. And as a parent, we probably need to err on the side of safety. The students who had significant restrictions that I interviewed all said that as seniors, they are grateful that those restrictions were in place. And you'll notice that many of the the students who did not have those, well, they might acknowledge that those would have been helpful for them if they did have them. Now, most of our conversation has centered around social media, but I wanted to know something about video games because that's a big part of a middle schooler's interaction with technology, too. What would you say parents should know about Fortnite? Um, uh, Let me say, I I would say it's a live game, and so you probably shouldn't just tell your kid to get off. Now we can laugh at this, but this introduces a really interesting thing. Students wanted their parents to understand not just what the video game was, but what their experience in the video game was. I'm a a big expert on video games. Um... I think um, the biggest thing for um, kids and video games is 
maybe who they're playing with. And that's mm. another thing that you, you want to monitor also. Um, but I think the biggest thing on the games they're playing is that um, if you've got the time, you should sit down and play. Not, not even play the game, but you should sit down with um, your student as they're playing the game and experience the things that they're experiencing and judge that way rather than just looking at the first part of it or maybe a trailer or something like that and then determining. Do you think, this is just like a question that I've always wondered, do you think it's super necessary that they have to have like a mic and headset or can they like just play the game? Because I know that communicating with other gamers often like leads down a bad rabbit trail. Like do they have to have that? Um, I think the mic and headset gives the opportunity to play with their friends, mm-hmm. but you you do need to make sure that they're only playing with their friends and they're not communicating with um, other people that are not their friends. Um, but that's also something that you just kind of want to monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe checking the account every so often to just kind of see who they're playing with, who they're messaging. Um, I think that's that's good. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, playing with your friends can be a very, like, beneficial and fun way to bond with, you know, new friends, especially going into middle school. Um, But, you know, you don't want to just play with random 50-year-old dudes from Wyoming. (laughs) (laughs) So this was a consistent theme that I saw as these students were talking about video games, that the goodness of video games happened when they were experienced in relationships with people they actually knew. Video games provide a world of joy without having to be social. Uh, So you can just stay at home and curl up in a blanket and hop on the PS4 and squat up with some of the boys as well. Uh, But there are definitely some downsides to it. So what are some of those downsides? I wouldn't say video games are bad, but they can for sure... I remember in middle school, all I wanted to do was play video games. And I feel like my parents did have restrictions, like I was only allowed to play a certain amount of time. And I feel like that's important because if they didn't have that, I'd just be playing all day and all night. So restrictions on video games is for sure important. My brains would be (laughs) goo if my parents didn't do that, but... It is for sure important to have restrictions on video games, and there's some video games that have been released that are, like, a lot of violence and nudity, so I know kids that when I was in middle school, like, they were allowed to play any video game they wanted when I wasn't, and they kind of, I guess that kind of made them curious, like, oh, like, what's this in the video game? They made, it made them, like, curious to stuff like that, so I guess... Also, like, make sure what video games are buying isn't, like, super violent or, like, has nudity in it and stuff like that. So we can see that many of the same principles apply to video games that do to social media. And that shouldn't surprise us as video games have become increasingly like social media. So parents need to understand the inherent risk. They need to understand that video games are highly addictive. And they they need to understand that their children will not be able to completely self-regulate. They need help. But they need to also be able to appreciate what is good in video games and understand that these can be a significant way for their children to interact with other children. As I neared the end of my discussion with these students, I asked them 
how often do you reflect about what social media and video games are doing to you? Do you guys think about this stuff all that much? How technology affects you? Yes, I do a lot. I, well, I feel like if I didn't have social media, I'd be more, I feel like through Christian, like me being a Christian, I would be so much closer to God. Like, there's so many times where I'm sitting in bed, I could be reading my Bible, I could be praying. It's just the first thing I go to is my phone to watch TikTok. So, like, I would for sure have a better relationship with God, and I'd just be a lot more productive. And, yeah, social media has for sure made a very big dent in my life. I... I'm not trying to flex, but I did recently delete social media because I felt like I was just everything seemed dull to me and everything seemed boring. And I fell into not depression, but I just wasn't enjoying life. And I would say that deleting social media has made me talk to my family more, made me talk to other people more rather than going home and hopping on TikTok or something and it's definitely given me a lot more time to uh, go into the Word and and read. Because before I wasn't... Like, I, I, ha- I had streaks where I would go on a good reading spree with and have a good time with the Lord, but then I'd fall back into the time, and then now I'm back back on another streak. So that was a good thing. You think you'll um, go back to it at some point? I, I think I'll go back to it once I'm in college because it's a way to stay connected with people around you, but... For now, I'm staying off. Does this surprise you? Isn't it interesting to hear how these students are reflecting about what social media and technology is doing to them spiritually? They really are concerned about how it's shaping them and forming them. And so here, as parents, we have a really unique opportunity. We can enter into a two-way conversation with our children, and we can help them interrogate our own practices And together, we can come up with strategies for a family. We can establish what best practices would be so that technology can be used in a redemptive way. Our children need to see us modeling what it looks like to faithfully trust Christ in a space that, well, is a little bit unknown and continually changing. Well, that's all the time we have on this episode, but stay tuned for further episodes. If you would like to know more about Lakeland Christian School, you can find us online at lcsonline.org, or you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at LCS Vikings. I'm Jeff Stabler, and you've been listening to Vantage. Vantage.